Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But here's the question, verse 15. Jesus looked at his followers and he said, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Father, take your word today. Let it go rich and deep inside. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for those who are watching online. We're in a series called There is a King, and we hope you're enjoying it. Pastor Taylor, Pastor Daniel did phenomenal, phenomenal jobs the last couple of weeks, and I pray that this just uh, builds upon what they've already said. And so thanks once again for being here. Listen, right after the service, if you have interest in going to Israel with us, we're going to have a brief meeting right after and let you know what's going on and, you know, what's happening after this two-year hiatus of not traveling anywhere. So we're asking if you'd like to come, you can hang out down here in front. Uh, Mary and I just got back from some time in Hawaii and uh, uh, spending time celebrating our 42 years of marriage. And uh, yeah, that, I, I know why some of you are clapping. You're clapping because how did she put up with him that long? So I get it, I get it. But uh, we had a great time, just a time of walking and eating and reading and doing those three things all over again. So not very, pretty boring when we go, just not much to do. So we continue to pray for the Ukraine. I'd like to just bring that up to you again to continue to pray. As we said when we first mentioned this, people just like you and me, ordinary everyday people, many of them are Christ followers and they're struggling today. Men, women, and children are dying. And we must not, we must not forget that. We must continue to pray for them. We must continue to let our hearts be broken by what's taking place in their lives today. Uh, We throw around the term culture wars so much that we forget that sometimes there are real wars that are happening and and the costs are great. So we need to pray. Also, some of you have asked if, how can we give? We put up, uh, we have a website, we have channels by which we can give. Every dime that you decide to give will go directly to them. And so if you'd like to participate in giving, you can go to wearecalvary.com, give, and a drop-down box, and you can give to the Ukraine if you like. To uh, a church of people, Slavic Kravchuk has 50, or 64 churches there. Put that picture up for me, will you? And that particular amount of food is going to a deaf school in the area. And he's feeding people. Slavic is the guy on the far left. And he's doing a phenomenal job keeping people, uh, doing his best to keep them fed and protected and safe. They have a basement in their church. And that's where they're holding some meetings. And that's where people are sleeping. And so they're doing their best. And I think we could do our best through prayer, through giving, and just reminding ourselves that there is a real war taking place. Now, we're talking about there is a king, and in light of this, I, I don't watch much news, uh, simply because it annoys me. And uh, I, I did watch where the patriarch of Russia, Patriarch Krill, uh, rubber-stamped uh, 
Putin's war on the Ukraine, allowing it to be done in the name of God. Well, I have so many problems with that, I don't know where to begin. Uh, I have much to, to say regarding misplaced allegiances and ideologies that are based more on nationalism than on the teachings of Jesus. But I won't do that here in this time because you didn't come to hear me rant and rave about my personal political views. That's not why you're here. And if you're in any church that decides to do that, you need to leave. We're here to preach Jesus. We're here to say boldly to you, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's it. And so um, that's not our intent. And so we, uh, but I will say this, I think he is so far off base, I don't know where to start. Uh, I'll simply say this, the patriarch of the Russian church has forgotten who the real king is. It is not King Putin, it is King Jesus. And we need to keep our, our minds and our, our minds clear and focused and being spirit-led to say, Jesus is the king. There is no man on earth who holds any title that can hold a candle to who Jesus is. Jesus is the only one who died for me and you, so he deserves to be our king today. And we need that mindset. Uh, the king of kings and lord of lords is not of this world. He is of another world. Now, when we use the word king, a lot of people are uncomfortable with kingship and, and kings and queens and the whole royalty monarchy thing. And I get it. I understand it. I got an email from someone a uh, while ago that was struggling with it. They didn't like the use of the term king because it referred to royalty, royalty or monarchy. And they struggled with that. They, they equated it in their email to feudalism during the Middle Ages. You had a king. You had royalty. Then you had the serfs and slaves. And it made her feel less than. And I don't blame her. I can understand what she's feeling within that context. I get it. As a country, as, as a people, it's, it's part of our cultural DNA to reject kings and queens. It just is. We, we, start, we started that whole thing in 1776, remember? With the Revolutionary War. Uh, we said, we rejected King George III in 1781. Uh, uh, after the surrender at Yorktown, we sent him packing. We sent the soldiers who had come over to fight. We raised up arms and we said, we shall have no king. And so, uh, you know, it even made it its way into our Constitution. Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8 says that there shall be no monarchy. There shall be no king. It's part of who we are. That's why if you go in and were to meet the President of the United States, you would say, hello, Mr. President. Because we don't do that king thing. We're not into that. We don't, we don't buy into that. John Adams, a good Christian man, said, maybe we should call the President your Highness or your Excellency, and everybody rejected it. Because that is not who we are. We are culturally adverse to kings. That's what's part of the problem is, quite honestly, today. We're culturally adverse to it. Pastor Daniel said two weeks ago, we're in this phase of life where we reject the sacred, we reject the king. Pastor Taylor said last week that we may not mind a king as long as we get to pick who it is. We may, may not mind a king if we can decide what's going to be the king of our lives. In another sermon, we'd call that idolatry. Anytime you pick the king, that's idolatry. Anytime we set up idols, that is idolatry. And so that's why the question that Jesus asked is so important. He's, he's walking along in Caesarea Philippi with his disciples, disciples, his followers. He's a rabbi. He's, they're his followers. They're his disciples. They are the closest people to him. And Jesus turns and he says, fellas, what do, who do people say that I am? And some say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. I don't know how long this interchange took, but in my mind's eye, when I read this, I get the, uh, the, the moment where Jesus maybe gets a little quiet. And then he looks up and he, he asks them, 
yes, but who do you say that I am? Because quite honestly, I think Jesus knows who the pagans, what they think of him. I think he wants to know who those who follow him most closely think of him. He looks at Peter and John and the others and he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Because that's what matters. What matters today and the question needs to haunt our souls for a little while this morning. Who do we say that Jesus is? C.S. Lewis said he's either liar, lord, or lunatic. Some say he's a good man. Some say he's a great teacher. Who do you and I say that Jesus is today? Because Everything about who we are and our mission and our purpose in the world will hinge on the fact and the determination of who Jesus is to us, to you and I today. Who do you say that I am? Peter. It's always Peter, isn't it? Peter steps up to the place and swings and hits a home run. He says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, Peter. I think he almost said, Peter, you finally got it right. But he said, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't tell you this. It was from my Father in heaven. In other words, the Spirit gave you. Let you know that that's the right answer. You're the, I'm the anointed. I'm the Savior. I'm Jesus. I'm the King today. When I think of the King, this last week I've been thinking about, for me personally, what do I see in the King? What intrigues me? What draws me to allowing the term King in my life? What makes me want to declare to you so boldly today? He's not only the King. He's the King of Kings. What is it that stirs my soul so much? He's king of kings and lord of lords. It comes down to one thing. I, I have read my Bible, this book, and I know who he is. And he's someone way cool. I didn't know what else to say. I haven't used that in any other message. He's just way cool. I mean, what makes him the king of kings and lord of lords? There is a king and see his power today. See his power Revelation 17, and I got a lot of scripture. I couldn't help myself. Revelation 17 and 14, they will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of Lord, lords and king of kings. And with him will be his call, chosen and faithful followers. Ephesians 1:19, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I could cite verse after verse that would say, look to the king and see his power. He's not a king today just because I say he is or you say he is. He is the king of kings and lord of lords because he is. It's not based on my opinion. It's not based on yours or anyone. He simply is the king. He is the king for us today. The Bible says he is above all rulers and powers and authorities. He has dominion over all. Why? Because the king is the king. See his power today of turning water into wine. See his power today of feeding 5,000 people with two loaves and five fishes. Or was it five loaves and two fishes? I get that confused. Watch him as he heals the leopard. He touches them and he heals them. And he says, get up from your mat. You're no longer paralyzed. See him raising Lazarus from the dead. See him speak and bring worlds into existence. See him die and then come back to life on the third day. There is no king like him. There is no king in thousands and thousands of years of history that can hold a candle to the king of kings. 
I can give you a long list. I can mention Alexander the Great, Napoleon Bonaparte, Julius Caesar, Genghis Khan, Charlemagne, Alfred the Great, William the Conqueror, Constantine, Suleiman, Cyrus, Chandragupta of Israel, Suleiman, Hannibal, Attila, Edward I, Kublai Khan, James I, Saladin and Ramses, Catherine the Great and Queen Victoria, all great in their own ways, but not one of them. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Doesn't matter if you were a surfer or king, a king, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are at one point when judgment comes and he comes and on his thigh will be king of kings and lord of lords. When he comes back, every knee will bow and it won't matter who you are because he's the king today. There is no king like Jesus. Who do you say that he is this morning? Secondly, there is a king. See his posture. In other words, see how he is. See Jesus and how so unlike Caesar, so unlike Chandragupta, so unlike Suleiman, so unlike these of history. Ironically, the one king who can demand our allegiance, the one king that can demand our obedience, the one king that can command us to bow before him, doesn't. Chew on that a second. The one king who can, doesn't today. The Bible says Jesus the king waits on us. I don't know why that gets me the service, but he waits on me. He waits on me. He says, Revelation 3, here I am, I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Some of you have to be thinking, what kind of a king is that? Most kings would break the door down. And Jesus, anybody home? If you'll open this door, I'll come in and, and we'll have a meal together. Jesus says, I'll wait for you and we'll walk in relationship. Jesus, the king, asked us to seek him. He asked us to seek him. He said these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. In other words, here I am, and if you want to come to me, I'm here for you. I won't order you. I won't make you. I won't demand, but if you're, hot, if you're tired and thirsty, come to me, and, I'll, and you can cast all your cares on me because I'm gentle. This king is so different today. Ask me, seek, knock, and I will open up for you. This king, this Jesus that's so different invites us to follow him. Then Jesus told his disciples, here's a huge little big word. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He doesn't demand, he invites. If anyone would come to me, let them deny themselves, let them take up their cross and follow me. There's humility to this king that you don't see in other kings. I think that's what amazes me about Jesus, the king. Philippians chapter 2 says, he humbled himself. He became obedient. He became like us. He even was willing to go to the cross in humility today. Why is this king worth following? Because he's different than all the other kings. He wasn't building himself up. He says, I will die so that they might live. Who do you say Jesus is today? Who do we say he is today?
while human leaders deal in fear. It's not a politician today that doesn't deal in fear. Either makes you scared or angry, am I right? Either makes you scared or angry or makes you feel like you're being oppressed. That's their stock in trade. I'm not giving you my opinion, that's just fact. Some make you scared, some make you angry, some make you feel like you're all by yourself and everyone's beating up on you. That's their stock in trade. And what does Jesus come along as the king? He says, I invite you to follow me. See, you know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't lead from the blue, from the red, from the right or the left. He invites everybody to follow him. He invites everyone to come. The thief comes, the Bible says, John 10, 10, see the king and see his purposes today. John 10, 10, there's one, the thief comes only to steal, kill and to destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Notice the purposes. Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Romans 5.8, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who do you say that he is this morning? He is the one who said I could have abundant life. He is the one that while I was a sinner, he died for me. He is the one who wants to give me life and give it more abundantly. Who do you say Jesus is this morning? Based on who Jesus is, his willingness to die for you and me, his humility, his grace, his mercy, his his amazing king of kingness. There is a king, what should be our response? Only one. I'll go with praise him, but same thing. Worship him. Praise him. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. What's our response to a king like this? We praise him, we worship him, we love him back for first loving us. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name That is above every name, that at that name every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's my response? What must my response be? You know, we got home on Tuesday. We had a memorial service for a friend of mine, a dear friend, known for over 50 years. Eight days prior to his death, he was diagnosed with cancer through his body. And uh, Larry... Uh, passed away eight days later while we were in Hawaii. And then just a few days after, they had the memorial service. So we, we go down to the memorial service to honor Kathy and the, his daughters and the family and just to say goodbye to a good friend. And it was the craziest thing. A long one. It went two hours and 15, 20 minutes. And most of it we spent laughing our heads off. Is that not crazy? We laughed and we laughed until we couldn't laugh anymore. I mean, it was hilarious. One of the reasons is Larry was crazy. He's just crazy. He didn't care what other people thought. One, one time he's in a restaurant, he comes out and he's carrying the extra leftover food. He walks out and his pants drop down around his ankles. He just keeps walking to the car. I mean, you know, Christina's perspective... Uh, Husband was with him, and she thought, it's over. He'll leave me today. Larry was just crazy. And people got up and 
told stories and the three daughters got up and shared stories and we just laughed and celebrated. He just passed away four or five days before the funeral and we're laughing and cutting up and just enjoying ourselves. Why can we do that? Because we knew the king came for him. We know that Larry's in a better place. We know that there is no more pain or suffering, no more cancer, no more heart disease where he's at today. So we can laugh and we can enjoy and, and, and yeah, we can laugh and we can weep. His oldest grandson, about 15 years old, I think, maybe 16, he is in a wheelchair 100% of the time. He, he can't move his muscles at all. And he had his mom write something for him He's, and he read it. She held it up, he read it. He said these words, so in the midst of laughter, I heard these words, I'm going to miss my papa. You can imagine me and Mary, we're basket cases anyway. He says, I'm going to miss him taking me to the movies. I'm going to miss my papa taking and bringing me food during the day. And then he said, I'm jealous of my papa because my papa gets to see Jesus. Then he said these words, but that's okay because I'll get to see my papa and Jesus one day myself. I'll get to go be with them. How does someone have that kind of confidence? Some kid in a wheelchair. How does he have that kind of faith? How can we laugh? Because there is a king and his name is Jesus. And because he died and because he rose again, and the scriptures declare he is king of kings and lord of lords and one day he's coming back. You can laugh, you can cry, you can follow him, you can answer the question, who do you say that he is? You can boldly say, his name is Jesus and he's the king of kings and lord of lords and today I choose with my life to follow him forever and ever and ever. Because that's what we have in Jesus today. He is the king. There has to come a point where you have to say not only is he the king, or the king, you have to say he's my king. See, quite honestly, too many people leave him as the king. He, he's not the king, he's my king. You have, to, you, have to, you have to allow yourself to be God-breathed. God-breathed. And recognize he's not just a king, he's not one of the kings, he's not one of the list. He's at the top of the list. He, he supersedes any list. We were in Hawaii and we, we did the, we went to the, we went to this ranch. It's where they filmed a lot of movies, Jurassic World and others, and fun place. They do weddings there, and in fact, one of our ladies and her husband, Malia, they were married there. But you get, we got these in this, like, hunter ATV where more than one can ride, two or four can ride. And we were in there by ourselves and we just drove in a line and we drove for about two hours and the guide would stop and tell us about the movies. It was really kind of interesting. I got pictures of me at the, some stuff around Jurassic Park and all that and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he started explaining some Hawaiian culture. You know, I came back and wanted Malia to know I had picked up some. I said, shoots. <laughs> and she started laughing. And I said, we just went to eat some grinds. And she laughed again because that... But this guy told some real stuff, and she explained it after the 9 o'clock service to me. There's this, there's this process called 
Honi, H-O-N-I. And it's, uh, he explained it while we were standing there. It's, it's a Hawaiian greeting. It's actually brought over from New Zealand by the Maoris, and someone's picked it up and brought it to Hawaii. But it's a, it's a greeting where, uh, and, and let me tell you the reason why I was interested. Mary and I don't tell anyone, but we watch Hawaii Five-O. We just like it because we can say, been there, been there. And then my grandkids come over, been there, been there. It's also a very dangerous place. I'll never go in a bank in Hawaii because I get robbed every day when I watch that show. <laughs> but he started explaining, and, and the last episode, McGarrett puts his head on the head of someone else, and it's called honey, or they're sharing ha. They put bone to bone, forehead to forehead, and they're exchanging breath. And, and something unites them in that sharing of breath. As I thought about that, I thought about Peter. I thought about how Peter knew who Jesus was because the breath of God breathed on him and he knew that he knew that he was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. And you know what I thought as I thought of that? I thought, you know what? You and I need to be breathed on fresh. We need the fresh breath of heaven to fall into this place so that when I ask the question, who do you say that he is, that there's something within each of your hearts, your minds, your very beings that says, he is my king. He's not the king, he is my king. He's my king today because the breath of heaven. You know, sometimes, let me read you one last verse today. One last verse would say this, First uh, John four eighteen and 19. Let me tell you why this is so important. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Do you know I grew up in a church where I had to get saved every week? My dad, my dad was hellfire brimstone, baby. I had to get saved every week, and it's pretty tough when you're five years old to feel that guilty. <laughs> Think about it in a minute. But I, I felt like I had to go get right with God. I had to go repent over and over and over. Any, any of you grew up that way? Just the guilt? That's why you came to Jesus, because you were like scared of hell and scared of your parents and just had to go repent every single week? Then I realized that wasn't right. Because the king I serve doesn't want me to come to him in fear. You know, don't come to Jesus because you're afraid of hell. There's that great message by Edwards. Uh, I forget the name of it. Believers in the hand of an angry God. Yeah. I'm sure that was a great message, but boy, I don't think that's the message. I think God hates sin, but I'm going to tell you, I think he loves people. I know he loves me. I know he loves me. Don't come because you're afraid of hell. Don't, don't repent. Don't do those things because you're afraid of hell. And, and don't, don't repent and come to Jesus the king because you want to get your ticket punched to go to heaven. The Bible says both of those reasons don't apply. If you want to come to Jesus, come for the right reason. Come because he first loved you. Pastor, I know I'm going to get an email. Pastor Ray, you got to teach people to be afraid. Yeah, I'm done living in fear. How about you? I don't come to Jesus because I'm afraid of him. I come to him because he loved me and he died for me while I was yet a sinner. That's why we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus because he's the king who died. What kind of king does that? He died and then rose again. Come to Jesus because he loves you. 
Come to Jesus because there's something deep inside you that, that the, the breath of God breathes on you. Don't come because you think you're doing it. I mean, some of you in this room today may think, well, I'm here and I think I may or may not. You'll, you'll come to Christ because the breath of God is in this place and wants to draw you to one who died and rose again for you. Why? He's the king. What some of us need is this moment. We, we need this moment. Stand up. He'll never sit on the front row again. We need this moment. And let the Holy Spirit of God do something rich and powerful in us today so that when someone out there in this pagan will ask, who do you say that he is? Become like that kid in school who knows all the answers. I know this one. I know this one. He's my king. And he died for me. He died and he rose again and we can share him that way. I had my researcher check this out for me. She doesn't know, but now she's my researcher. <laughs> Checked out before the nine o'clock service. I had heard this before, but I, before I said it, I wanted to verify it. Queen, uh, Queen Victoria in a, a discussion with the Archbishop of Canterbury. Queen Victoria said these words to the Archbishop. She said, you know, I hope that I hope Jesus comes in my lifetime. The bishop asked why. She said, so I can lay my crown at his feet. Friends, I would submit that some of us in this room need to take off our crowns and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Because his kingship is worth it today. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and eye closed. Just for a second, if you're here today and this is your moment, not because you're scared to death, not because heaven sounds so good, you want to get, get in, but for whatever reason, and maybe not even understanding the fullness, but you just know that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, died for you. If you're here today and you want to respond to his great love, just right where you're seated, if you just lift your hand and say, Ray, that's, that's me today. I want to just love him back. I see your hand, your hand, your hand. Many hands today on this side and here. You can put them down. I want to come to Christ. I just, I'm tired of wearing the crown myself. I'm not doing that good a job of being a king. I need the king to be my king. Heavenly Father, you see our hearts, every one of us today, and we are sinners saved by grace. We can't earn our way. We don't deserve what you did. We don't deserve this love, but you call us sons and daughters. Lord, we know that whom you love, you'll discipline just like we do our own kids. But you don't do it because you hate us. You do it because you love us. And you invite us. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with them. Today, for these hands that are lifted, we just pray. We just pray that they would sense your Holy Spirit here in this room. That they would open the door of their hearts and say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Father, we pray that in this moment, that as we, as we are honest with you and we, we ask forgiveness of sin, 
for our going our own way and we say we choose this day to follow you. That you would hear our hearts cry, forgive, and say these words, now follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And we'll give you the thanks and praise for what you'll do here in this room, in this house today. May you be high and lifted up and draw all people unto you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.